It is good to be here today. Um, I told Sue last week that like something's going on. And I've had a couple people come up to me like, dude, what's going on with you? You're all messed up. I'm like, what do you mean? They're like, you're like on fire lately. Like, what's happening with you? I'm like, I don't know. Jesus is just like doing something really, really fresh in my walk. And I have the privilege of sharing it with you guys. And so I told Sue, I'm like, I'm not doing anything different. I'm showing up. I'm praying. I'm seeking Him throughout the week. And for what God has been showing me in that is that when we journey with Jesus in obedience, He is faithful and just to complete the work He began in you. And oftentimes in our Christian journey, we, we say, this is what I want to happen, right? I want this to happen. I want this to change in my life. I want God to just like zap me, just, just wham, bam. But there's something about journeying with Jesus that we miss when we don't sit with Him and we don't walk with Him. It's something we miss when we, when we have this dark night of the storm and, and we run to Jesus and we, and we latch on to the cross and, and all of a sudden He pulls us out of it. And as He pulls us out of it, we're like, okay, thanks Jesus, I'll, I'll take over the steering wheel now. And it's in that moment that, that we're in the darkest night of the storm or the biggest troubles that we go through and, and whether it be relationally, financially, spiritually, whatever it may be, that, that when we latch on to Jesus and we, and we see this new humility about ourselves, that that's the beginning. It's not, it's not just the, the doorway to blessing. And so I really want to challenge you all that that for all of you who have really sought Jesus in a place of humility, and when Jesus shows up in your place of pain or frustration, that, that, that when He does bless you, which He will, because we know He does, that stop letting go of the cross. That's my word for you today. Stop letting go of the cross. And hold on to Him even longer and tighter. Because all of a sudden you see this transformation that He brings into your life. Thank you. Amen. Amen. And in that, that's the challenge. That as we set forth, that when we cling to the cross, you know, we sing about songs that we cling to the cross. We don't cling for, for a temporary time, but we cling for eternity because as we cling to Him, one day we will stand in eternity. And as we cling to Him, one day that clinging that you just feel like your arms are going to give up and your muscles are going to tear apart, one day you stand before our Jesus and you let it go. And that's my challenge to you even before we go into the Word. Cling to the cross of Christ. As you go into summer, do not let go of Jesus. But find rest in Him. I'm very excited to talk this morning about a topic that I talk about every June 1st. Every June 1st, I, I talk about this one topic because I look at the school year as a, a spiritual journey for the plants. Many people find us in the summertime. Matter of fact, some of our biggest times of growth are in the summer. For some reason, it's almost like people have a liberty saying, you know what, I think I'm going to go check out those weird people on the hill. 
And most of them end up staying. And so as they go through this journey, there's, they start learning about the gospel of Jesus, Jesus Savior, Jesus Sanctifier, Jesus Healer, Jesus Coming King. And, and, and there comes a point that it's almost like, as I talked with someone before, is what's next? Like, what does this mean? Like, like, like I believe and I, and I get it, but like, what is Jesus doing next? And there comes a place in our lives that we, that we know Jesus... And then God becomes our Father. And Jesus becomes King. You see, there's a big difference between knowing Jesus and Jesus becoming Lord of all. There's a big difference in just kind of showing up and, and kind of like, hey Jesus, let's go for a walk. Then Jesus, lead me. Guide me. Take me in that direction, that path that you have in store for my life. And there comes a point in all of our journey that, that with the disciples, that, that Jesus led them. But then He says, I want you to be identified as My sons and daughters. And the way that we're identified as, our, as His sons and daughters is that we come to a place in our life that we say, Jesus, I'm giving You everything. I'm giving you my heart. I'm giving you my mind. I'm giving you my soul. I'm giving you my will. I'm giving you my relationships. I'm giving you my children. I'm giving you my dog. I'm giving you my house. I'm giving my fine... Wait, don't say the word finances. I'll give my wife and my kids up before I give my finances. You're all supposed to laugh. Right? That's how serious it is to you. Like, wait, now you just stepped on something. But there's this reality that, that when we come to this place, that, that when we be, let Jesus be Lord of our lives, He gives us a birthright. Do you know what a birthright is? What's, what's the little baby's name, the, the, new, uh, the new prince? His name is, I have it down here, George. Prince George of Cambridge. Imagine being Prince George. That is, uh, he's the son of Prince William and Catherine. You know, we've all seen that little baby on TV. Like, that baby is wearing some crazy kid clothes that, first of all, I would never dress my kid in, probably because I can't afford it. And, like, this baby is just decked out like a prince because he has the birthright to the kingship of England. Now, there's a couple people that have to pass away first. Hopefully he doesn't knock them off. But he was born into a royalty like we will never experience. He has everything at his fingertips. The king and the queen have just said, because you are part of my lineage, all that you see in England is yours. You are cared for. You are taken care of. You are protected. You see that palace? That's your retreat place. Like, that's where you go when you need to get away and get a rest. Now, you see that palace over there? That's where you vacation. And you see that one? The oh, That's your fifth home. And there's this birthright that this little baby is going to inherit just by being recognized in the lineage of the king and queen of Israel. You see, that's what Jesus does for us. I mean, think about that. 
We read the Gospels, we think about protection, we think about power, we think about healing, we think about all of these things, but, but oftentimes when we think about being of the lineage of, of the King, this, this, this being a son and daughter of God, we think about a heavenly treasure. But that's not what Jesus says. Our birthrights of being sons and daughters of God begins the moment we make Jesus Lord and Savior. Because what happens is we go through the spiritual transformation being called, Jesus said in John chapter 3, not the evangelical church, that you must be born again. Jesus said that, that God is going to do a supernatural rebirth with, within, in you, that you will have new life. And this new life is identified by the Holy Spirit. And this new life is going to transform you into a completely different individual. Because what Jesus does when we recognize Him as Lord, being sent from the Father, we become prince and princesses of God. Amen? Now think about this. How many of you look in the mirror and say, I'm a prince of the Most High? Yeah. I'm a princess of the Son of God. No, Susie does. Susie does. Yeah. We know Susie does. And that's why we love her. And that's why you are who you are. That's the beauty of it. But look at Susie. You are a princess. And she walks around like that. She struts it. She struts it. Bam, bam. Just happened the other night. But that's what happens. And we forget that. But let me add this. Jesus did something that affirmed His birthright. That He invites and even commands us to do. You see, we forget about this. We forget about this idea that that Jesus says, do as I've done. Let me read this. It's in Matthew chapter 3. Then Jesus went from Galilee to the Jordan River to be baptized by John. But John tried to talk him out of it. I am the one who needs to be baptized by you, he said. So why are you coming to me? But Jesus said it should be done. For we must carry out all that God requires. So John agreed to baptize him. After his baptism, as Jesus came up out of the water, the heavens were opened and He saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and settling on Him. I would argue that not only Jesus saw this, but John saw this and the whole crowd of people had seen this supernatural act. And a voice from heaven said, This is my dearly loved who? Son. Who brings me what? Great joy. You see, was Jesus already the Son of God? Was He already the one who was appointed to take away the sins of the world? Yes. But what Jesus did in the waters of baptism was He affirmed His birthright. And the reason we know that is because when Jesus came out of the waters of baptism, what did the Holy say? The Holy Spirit say? 
This is my Son, in whom I find great joy. Now why would Jesus have to be baptized? Because that was the tension that John was having. John was having this tension like, dude, you should be baptizing me. Not me baptizing you. And he had this wrestling to the point that there's a a verbal conversation that that John and Jesus are going back and forth. And John's like, I ain't doing it. You're going to do it. I ain't dunking you. You're going to dunk me. I ain't drowning you. If you don't, I'm going to kill you. Like, there's this thing going on between these two. And finally, Jesus says, I'm doing this in obedience. Not to you, but to the Father. And Jesus was so consumed, not concerned. Listen to the change of words. Not concerned. Consumed. To follow His Father. That He was willing to become like humanity. And we read in Scripture that that Jesus did this for two reasons. First, obedience. It says here in Philippians 2.6, in His humanity, in Jesus' humanity, He did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. But rather, He took on the very nature of humanity. Everything that humanity was doing, because what was going on was, the people of Israel were being baptized as a symbol of their sins being covered. Their sins being washed away. Not a symbol of, uh, of, of change, of, of like something supernaturally happening inside of them, but saying that I no longer want to be identified in this earthly tent, but God is washing me. And being an Israelite, Jesus said, even though I am sinless, I am still human. And Jesus was going to do everything that the prophets of old had asked the people of Israel to do. Jesus was obedient in baptism. And secondly, identity. Galatians 3.26-27 For you are all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. And all who have been united with Christ in baptism have put on Christ like putting on new clothes. There is no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. What Jesus was doing was He was taking His identity and He was putting it in the waters of baptism and coming up and saying, I am and affirming being God's Son. You see, so often we walk around in our our human tents and we say, I'm a sinner saved by grace, right? Isn't that like really comforting? Like it it makes it sound like, like, hey, I have a tough life, right? I'm a sinner saved by grace. No. No. 
You, if you are a follower of Jesus, you are a saint who sins. Your identity is no longer being a sinner, being separated from God. You are a saint. You are identified as a child of the Most High who screws up, who messes up, who does some really dumb things. But the difference is, is in all your stupidness, am I allowed to say that from the pulpit? In all your dumbness, that sounds like a little bit better, in all your, you're making all the, the errors that you also recognize the grace and forgiveness that you need. You see, in our baptism, what we're saying is we're going to the waters of baptism because Jesus has, has done a transformation in our life. He has changed our heart that was away from Him and towards Him. And we go into the waters of baptism and we say, I'm going to stand up in, in front of people and say, I'm no longer Rob Parker. I did this in a little Baptist church in, in uh, Springfield, Missouri. And uh, I remember standing up at, at the time I was a, playing college football and the pastor was like Yoda and I was like... Uh, What's that guy's Chewbacca? And like he had to like I had to sit on this thing for him to dunk me and but I stood up because I was sick of even in my Christian life, I'm a sinner saved by grace. No. I'm a child of God. Yes, who sins, but I'm drawn closer and closer to the heart of the Father who doesn't want to be like that anymore. And so publicly I'm affirming confirming to the world no longer am I who you think I am. I just thought about that. In our baptism, we're telling people, I am no longer the person you think I am. Who you think I am. Who you identify I as being. As Satan has identified me. But in the eyes of God, I'm saying, I'm putting myself to death and coming up a new person. You see, that's the beauty of baptism. Baptism, listen to me, does not save us for eternity. Baptism affirms our identity. Do you hear me? Baptism does not save us for eternity. That baptism confirms our identity. And so you might be sitting here and saying, well, I've been baptized. So this is good for, this is good for the guys sitting next to me. So hopefully they'll get baptized. No. Why I'm saying this is because we often lose our identity. I could talk about identity every single week and still we will struggle with it. You see, baptism is a symbol. Let me read you second. Uh, I'm sorry, Colossians 2.12. For you were buried with Christ when you were baptized. And with Him you were raised to new life because you trusted the mighty power of God who raised Christ from the dead. Listen to Romans chapter 6. For we died and we're buried with Christ by baptism. What he's saying is, is that when we say that we no longer want to follow the ways of this world, we're putting something to death. 
which is our sinful nature, so that we become alive to the Spirit of God. Therefore, I'm sorry, uh, Christ raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father. Now we also may live new lives. Since we have been united with Him in His death, we also will be raised to life as He was. We know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. We are no longer slaves to sin. Do you know sometimes in my deepest, darkest stuff, Jesus brings me back to my baptism. Jesus brings me back to Springfield, Missouri like Rob. Think about the decisions you're making. You're living in your old self. Remember, you were baptized in me. I affirm who you are. But what's the struggle with this? You see, think about that, that baby, uh, King, Princess, what's his name? George? Georgie. We'll call him Georgie. Princess George. He is going to grow up with royalty all around him. The dude ain't getting a Schwinn. He's getting a motorized Harley. He is not going to be getting the things that we try to give our kids. They're going to give him bigger and grandiose because that's his expectation, right? That's what he's going to expect. He's not expecting a puppy. He's expecting a pony. He was born into this and this is all he knows. His confidence of being the prince began the moment he stepped into this world. But with God, it's different. You see, because when we were separated from sin, from God, and when we come into Christ, Paul identifies it as being adopted. That we are God's adopted children. And so our identity takes time to trust and believe that we are really His. Really His. Let me give you an example. My cousin was adopted. And he was adopted at a young age. And he really, really struggled with it. I find this with two, two different groups of people. Those who are adopted either cling to their identity with their parents or they struggle with it. And I know people, I, I look at Jesse and Andrea Cruz and what an amazing job you guys have done with Paulina. Paulina is a Cruz. A little more hyper, but she's a Cruz. And I met Paulina at her orphanage. And she wanted nothing to do with anyone but Andrea. And it was the most wildest thing because we're thinking like, hey, we're, we're Andrea's brothers and sisters in Christ. So everyone kind of go up to her and be like, hey! And she'd be like, Phew. Run away. Who are these scary people? But look at Paulina now. She is a cruise. She wants it. She gets it. Maybe at times, maybe a lot of times they fight with, she fights with them, but she has taken on the identity of being a daughter of Jesse and Andrea. And I applaud you guys for what an amazing job you do. It is a joy to me to watch her, to see her singing at EC, and running up to her mommy and daddy and, hey, what did you think? What did you think? But then I have the other side of the story, my cousin. 
who struggled with his identity his, his whole life. His whole life. Because his, his adopted father was just never gave him that approval. Never gave him that affirmation. Matter of fact, his adopted father kicked him out of his house and he, and he came to live with us, the Parkers, like we needed another boy, right? And he came to live with us. And my parents overly, overly showered him with love and grace and mercy. And there came a point that my father sat him down and said, Scott, we had two Scots. Scott, I love you so much. I want you to be my son. And he couldn't do it. He couldn't do it. And I think that happens with a lot of us, with, with our identity as God's children, that, that we either accept it, Susie Wilson. Yeah. I'm a princess. Ow! I could totally see that. Yep. Or someone else who just battles every day with their spiritual identity. How can God love me? I'm such a mess up. How can God accept me? All of these different things. But we have the privilege of being called sons and daughters of the Most High. That as we walk with Him, not as we know Him, but as He is Lord, as He's Abba, as He's Father, that identity becomes part of us. That nothing can separate Rob Parker from the love of God. No height, no depth. Nothing can separate me from my Abba Daddy. Do I struggle with it? Yes. Do I wrestle with it? Yes. But I am identified as God's Son. And nothing on this earth can make God love me more or love me less. You see, baptism is a birthright. It's the sealing of the birthright. Am I already God's? Yes. But it's this, you see? You sealed it. You know it because you walked into it. Our baptism is, is us not just accepting it, but stepping into that birthright. Listen to what Jesus said when He sent out His disciples. Jesus came and told the disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Now let me walk through this with you. This is how we're going to wrap this up. Jesus said, go and make disciples and baptize them in the name of the who? The Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. You see, oftentimes we just think of baptism as we're just putting ourselves to death and we're being brought up. No. Jesus was identifying the birthright that humanity is covered by. You see, when we're baptized in the name of the Father, we are identifying that God is our Heavenly Father. And that we are either His son or daughter. So when we go down in the waters and we're saying, I am baptized in the name of my Heavenly Father. I am His. I am His Son. I am 
His daughter. So in our baptism, we're saying our birthright is no longer our earthly birthright, but I am baptized and my birthright is that God is my heavenly Father. And Jesus says, baptize them in the name of who? The Son. Who is Jesus? He is the Son of God. And we now are called sons and daughters. And Jesus is our King. And in that King, he said, as Him being King, He's saying, my inheritance that the Father gave me, I am sharing it and giving it to you. That this life, because you are mine, you have power over sin and death. You have the power to heal, to deliver, to live in victory. You have all of the things that God had given me that I am now giving you. What did Jesus say to His disciples? You will do what? Even greater things than I. Then why don't we believe it? Why don't we see it? Because I believe we don't walk in our proper birthright. I think we take a shortcut to God's power. I think that we see Jesus and we don't believe that He he walks up to us and He says, you see this? I'm giving you the keys. This is yours. Go drive it. Take it. It's already yours anyways. Go take it. Go drive it. Go see what I have for you. Go on the wild blue yonder. And He gives us this power and this authority and this comfort. And I truly believe that if He is who He says He is, the King, and we are the princes and princesses, of His kingdom, that what He said He would do, He will do. Amen? Then start believing it. Start believing it. Because when we are baptized in the name of Jesus, He's saying, I'm giving you my inheritance. And Jesus says, then, baptize them in the name of the Father that you are identified. Baptize them in the Son that you, that, that you are given the rightly inheritance. But you be baptized in the name of the Holy Spirit. You see, the Holy Spirit is the empowering presence that sent Jesus out into this world. And that same presence, He said, I'm giving to you. My presence is your presence. My advocate is your advocate. My keys are your keys. You see, the Holy Spirit was the empowerer and the one who sent Jesus into the world. And Jesus is saying that you are being baptized with that same presence to go make my kingdom known. You see, our identity is wrapped up in our birthright. And our birthright is sealed by our faith. But we are affirmed in our baptism. Our baptism. And I think oftentimes we get more caught up with ritual than birthright. Ritual than birthright. Ritual is doing something because you have to. It's a religious obligation. Birthright is a privilege and a gift. And people get all wrapped up and, you know, well, I was 
baptized when I was a baby or, 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 or why do I have to be baptized and all these different things. Forget about those questions. Forget about those questions. We can talk about those at a different time. Baptism is our stepping into deciding to be identifying as our birthright. That's what baptism is. And some of you out there are saying, I've been struggling lately. I've been having a hard time. And God's saying, do you remember your baptism? Remember your birthright. Remember that you are my son or daughter. Remember that I've given you the keys to life and victory. And remember that I'm empowering you and I'm your advocate. And to others of you, you might be sitting here saying, I've been on this journey and it's almost like, what's next? Like I, I often feel like I'm in this tension and this struggle and, and I just feel like at times I'm his and I'm not and I'm his and I'm not. And, and God's saying then today, I'm inviting you to baptism. I'm inviting you to seal this, that, that, that publicly you're saying, this is who I am in Jesus. I am his child. I will say this again. Baptism does not save us. Baptism is an affirmation of our salvation. Baptism does not save. And everyone's running around so concerned. Have I been baptized? Have this been baptized? My baby, no. Baptism does not save. Baptism affirms. Amen? Amen.